There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped at 10 and branch microbiome. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD. Folks, before I start the show, I want to wish everyone a happy Labor Day weekend, sort of signifying the end of the summer, at least in the USA. You folks from outside the USA, just enjoy your weekend. You know, we followed this case from the, the beginning, and this is a very extremely disturbing case. And I'm talking about the case of Rachel Marin. And there's been a lot of conjecture. There's been a lot of information on this case. However, so far, there has not been an arrest on this case. And to refresh your memories, uh, Rachel Marin, there's a picture of her right now up on the screen. Uh, She was jogging in a park on uh, August 5th, the Saturday, August 5th, at about 6.15 at night. And um, she was attacked by a stranger, brutally attacked. And I believe the attack was an attempted sex crime. She was dragged down into a gully, and she was basically beating, beaten to death with, with a rock. And her body was discovered uh, in a drain, uh, in a drain on the Monpaw Heritage Trail in Bel Air, Maryland. And it was, it's a brutal, brutal uh, attack of this mother of five. And from right away in this investigation, they had some unusual information. That information being that they were able to link this case through DNA to an attack, a burglary and an attack on, um, March 26th in South Central L.A. In that case, a 14-year-old girl was attacked. And the police in that case aren't saying whether the attack or not was of a, uh, a sexual nature. However, they collected DNA from that case. That's not always that common, <clears throat> excuse me, to collect DNA in a, in a straight-up burglary case. Now, I've, I've always uh, said that, you know, burglary is a crime uh, of violence. And many of our politicians don't think so. And they think burglary is just someone's going in to steal property. A burglar clearly, clearly has bad intentions, all right? And to discern or differentiate burglary from robbery Burglary is knowingly and, unlawf- and unlawfully entering or remaining in a building with the intent to commit a crime therein. That's word for word out of the New York State Penal Law. Um, the crime of burglary can be upped according to aggravating factors. Is the person armed? Is, does the person display a weapon? Does the person cause an injury or a serious physical injury uh, to a non-participant, someone that lives there. 
A burglary can become a robbery. If someone's home and the burglar forcibly removes property, it's still a burglary, but it also just became a robbery because when you forcibly remove property, that is a robbery. Now, the, the, the real interesting thing, of course, about this case is that they have video. They have video of the perpetrator, not from the incident in uh, on August 5th in this Mon Pa Trail in, in the park in Maryland, but they have video from the incident that occurred in L.A. in March. And not just video, they have DNA. And the DNA that they have from the incident in March, from the burglary in L.A. and the assault, assault on the 14-year-old girl, obviously they're not, probably because of her age, they're not uh, releasing the nature of the assault, and that's fine for the police to do that. We don't need to know that. They need to keep that close to the vest so that they can do a proper investigation. However, we must read into this a little bit. If they have DNA from a burglary and a uh, assault, what they, what, obviously we think the nature of the assault potentially could be of a, a sexual nature. So they were able to compare the murder of Rachel Marin, the DNA they had from that case, to this case in L.A., South Central L.A., on, I believe the date was March uh, 26th. Interesting, extremely interesting because the person, uh, and there's pictures on the screen of Rachel Marin, a mother of five. Um, the interesting thing about that is that potentially this perpetrator is, is not, uh, may not be in CODIS in the convicted offender um, area of CODIS. I, I as I rail on and try to teach with this channel, there's two uh, categories of DNA in CODIS. And of course, CODIS stands for Combined DNA Index System, and it's cataloged and run by the FBI. The first uh, category of DNA is convicted offender DNA. So if someone's convicted of certain felonies across this country, their DNA goes into the FBI database. The other uh, category of DNA is known as forensic DNA. And forensic DNA is DNA that is inside a crime scene, uh, in a crime scene that has yet to be identified. So his DNA, along with the video, all we don't have the name of the perpetrator. He's not identified. However, the DNA matched the murder of Rachel Morin. So that's a good thing as an investigative lead. However, many folks feel that based on the nature of this crime, that this, this guy, this unknown, unidentified perpetrator could potentially be an up-and-coming serial killer. Uh, I'm going to play a little bit of this. There's nothing right now is stopping from doing it again. You know, I, I believe, our investigators believe he will do it again. Two weeks after investigators released this video of the man they believe murdered Rachel Morin, he still hasn't been identified. Now detectives are crisscrossing the country as they search for a killer as Rachel Morin's family lays her to rest. The hardest thing is for a mom to have to plan her child's funeral because it shouldn't be. Thanks for joining us here on Law & Crime. I'm Anjanette Levy. 
This week, investigators from the Harford County Sheriff's Office are in Chicago and Los Angeles following leads as they search for Rachel Morin's killer. Saturday will mark four weeks since the mom of five went out for a walk on the Ma and Pa Trail in Bel Air, Maryland, and never came home. Her body was found the next day, and a homicide investigation began. DNA from the crime scene matched DNA from a case in Los Angeles from last March. In that case, a man assaulted a young girl during a home invasion, and that's how this video... You know, when you look at this individual, uh, he's sort of jailhouse, meaning that it looks like he, he works out. He's either a uh, has been in jail, has been in prison potentially, but then that would indicate that he would have uh, his DNA would be in CODIS and by name. Could he be? Uh, they identified him as a, about five foot eight, five foot nine, 160 pounds, a male Hispanic. Could he be uh, someone that crossed the border illegally and undocumented and unvetted and un? known like we don't know who this guy is could that be a possibility yes and that would exacerbate this case in a way that it will make it so much more difficult for law enforcement to identify this guy the other thing is is that he is going to hit again there is no doubt when people start talking about is he a serial killer and what what is a serial killer we talk about that what is a serial killer well by the definition of the FBI, a serial killer is someone that does two or more murders at different time with time in between. That's their definition of a serial killer. So we know that he did this burglary assault in LA, in South Central LA on March 26, an assault of a 14-year-old girl. However, we don't know other crimes he may have committed that have been have yet to be uncovered and again that's the in a way the beauty of uh forensic dna do they have his dna in other crime scenes are they checking this one of the most important things in this investigation of course is tips t-i-p-s tips people calling in that may recognize this guy what brought the maryland police to chicago into la obviously la we got you should probably start there you know, that's probably where he lived or lives. This case becomes even that much more difficult because he committed this crime in Maryland, yet they have a case on him from March of 2023, March 26th, that is clearly across the country. So is, is this a traveling criminal? Obviously, a serial killer that may hit in other places. And to me, Based on the attack on Rachel Marin, he's what you would call a disorganized defender. Disorganized, what do I mean? Well, he attacks in a blitz-style fashion. He is a crime of opportunity. Could he have been stalking Rachel Marin? Potentially. Apparently, she was on social media. Apparently, she was on, according to the New York Post, she was on numerous dating sites. But the nature of this attack appears to be that this was random in nature, that this was just this savage patrolling some park looking for a victim. And that is even more disturbing because it puts anyone and everyone 
at risk from a person like this who is unvetted, unknown. However, we have his DNA. Video came to light. I spoke with Hartford County Sheriff Jeff Gaylor about the latest in the investigation and why he believes Morin's killer will kill again if he is not caught. Well, since the release um, on August 17th, we released the video footage and, and stills from that video footage. We've had hundreds of tips come in. I, th I think we're somewhere five to 600 tips uh, since the investigation began. Um, so we've had tips come in, investigators continue to follow up on them. We had investigators in Los Angeles last week uh, working with the detectives there, the FBI, um, and we had detectives in Chicago today. We have them in Chicago today. I, I'm not free to say what that was about, but we continue to follow leads wherever we need to go. I'll, uh, you know, we, Our investigators are committed. I'm committed. We'll look under any rock until we find this guy and put him behind bars. Um, so our investigators continue to work all the leads to come in, but we're still asking for the public support to, to share that video, to, to check out the the picture somebody out there will recognize him and knows who he is um and, and i regret to say you know we have no idea where he is i mean he could be here in our community he could have gone back to los angeles or he could be at any other city or community in our country or in the world um i'm appreciative of the coverage that we're receiving because it's getting seen by so many more people and we just needed to get in front of the right person who says i know who that is and then call us and tell us so that we and I can, think that's the terrifying thing about this. Uh, you all say the man in the video murdered Rachel Morin and probably did more than that, um, you know, just from my thinking of what could have happened and what he's accused of doing in Los Angeles. So uh, what is your concern here other than the fact that, in my mind, he seems to have escalated his, sure. his level of violence going from a home invasion, assaulting a child, to now you're saying accused of murdering. You know, guys, I just want to stop Engen at Le Levy there. And she's great. I, I, I think she's a very good reporter. And I think we're sort of being trained a little bit to think of a home invasion. Like the, the, the media and our stupid politicians, when they try to talk like burglary is not a violent crime, it's very disturbing to me. And obviously a home invasion, whoever does a home invasion has decided that they don't care if someone's home. They're going to go into someone's home, and if they need to kill that person to take their property or do whatever they want to do if their motivation is a sex crime, they're going to do it. So the, these politicians that try to downgrade burglaries to say, oh, it's a property crime, they are the most foolish people on this earth. And I just a case like this really infuriates me because it just shows the, the, the cluelessness of our politicians when they call burglaries. And again, this burglary, and we don't know what occurred. We know a 14-year-old girl was assaulted. What was the nature of that assault? We, assault? we don't know because the police don't want us to know right now, and that's fine. However, that is the lead. The DNA left at that crime scene is the lead that we have that we know that the same guy killed Rachel Moore. And so you see the progression of this, the progression of some savage does a home invasion, and then across the country, he commits a murder. So, you know, something, when politicians say that a burglary is a property crime, you, you, you repeat what I just said. It, the, the stupidity of that is just beyond belief. And, and it really 
It really infuriates me because they do it. They're doing it in all states across this country. And um, this is the result of it. You know, the result is someone, some young woman with five children walking or jogging in a park at 6.30 in the evening gets killed by this, this predator, this savage, you know a woman on a running trail somebody he didn't even know so do we assume we, we assume he does not know we, we don't know for sure that they haven't crossed paths somewhere that this was not targeted it, it, it could have been targeted it could be completely random um from everyone we've interviewed around rachel you know no one reports as knowing him as an acquaintance or anything so that certainly leads us more in the direction that it was just a crime of opportunity that that it was random and yeah my, my concern is is that and I've said the same thing. He seems to have escalated. He's gone from a home invasion and an assault against a juvenile female to a homicide here in our county. And um, there's nothing right now to stop him from doing it again. You know, I, I believe our investigators believe he will do it again. And I've, I've said I wake up in the morning concerned that somewhere between Los Angeles and Maryland, there may be another homicide out there that just hasn't had the DNA hit yet that will eventually tie back to him. So until we get him into custody, there is no community that is safe that he he could you know he could find himself waking up in and deciding to do something horrific like he did in this case. The escalation in violence though is is terrifying. And and if he indeed did not know her, if this was indeed a crime of opportunity and, and a random attack, there's nothing to stop him from from doing this the next time the, the urge hits him or whatever. Absolutely. As long as he's a free man and not behind bars where he needs to be, um, there is nothing that prevents him today, uh, tomorrow from carrying out another attack. You know, he, he could be out there planning it. Um, I, I pray that's not the case. But we, you know, folks, an interesting thing and someone just I think Pauline Buckles in the chat mentioned it. Uh, how does he get around? Does he have a car? It would it would seemingly, you know, he, he in the L.A., uh, home invasion, March 26, 2023. How did he get there? Obviously, we see the video of him leaving the house. He doesn't appear that he took anything. What was his motivation? And I mean, I surmise that his motivation is a sex crime, you know? So is he, when I spoke about, you know, disorganized and organized offenders, if he's dis a disorganized offender, clearly just attacks, blitz attack, randomly a crime of opportunity that's even scarier because again he'll be harder to track he doesn't probably own a car he's getting around by public transportation walking bicycle whatever i would like to know how thoroughly that crime scene and that park was canvassed especially for video where did he enter that park did he pull up in a car we got to extend that canvas outside to see roots in route and roots uh, escaping from, from the crime scene. How did he get out of that park after the crime? All of those things have to be looked at. Don't overlook the crime scene at all. You've got to keep canvassing. Canvas the escape routes. See if he threw anything or discarded anything. There's still a, a crime, there's still a science of fingerprints and Potentially, you know, he's not in CODIS. We know that, right? But could he be, could he have been fingerprinted 
for entering this country? Could he have been fingerprinted for a misdemeanor crime? So you have to canvas the, ent the, the entry of the crime scene and the exit. An extensive canvas. Get all your recruits from the academy. Go over that damn park like a fine-tooth comb. That's what you're going to need. And, of course, video canvas. I would canvas all the shelters, showing his picture to people. And, and, and look, I may be repeating things that the police have already done, but this case takes on so much more uh, importance when we found out that he did a home invasion in March against a 14-year-old girl. And now this DNA matches the homicide, the murder of Rachel Morin. So I think we really have to just pick this investigation up. And I'm sure they are. I'm not criticizing the police. The other law enforcement entity we have to get in, involved again is the FBI. Get the FBI in here. Get their resources in here. Get their power to be in any state in the union, right? That they have offices in every state in this union. Get their budget, of course. Get, their, as I said, their resources in. And the other thing is the Fugitive Enforcement Division. Amazing, amazing unit. And they have them in all cities. They have them, uh, they work jointly with the NYPD. And I'm sure they work jointly with the Maryland police also. Get them involved. They are unbelievable in looking for perps. They're the people, it's their business to capture perps. And there's no one better at it. You know, I don't want to hear the name dog. If I hear the name dog another time, I'm going <laughs> to take a bite out of my hat. No, we have professional law enforcement. They're called fugitive enforcement. They're called the FBI. They're called the Maryland police, you know. So let's let's get the professionals on this case and let's kick it up as, as high as we can. And, of course, let's keep this case in the public eye because we got to keep getting tips on this case. We won't know that until we have him secured in a jail where he needs to be forever, in my opinion. Rachel Morin's case is the only other case where DNA has matched the L.A. case. Maryland has some restrictions on when investigators can use genetic genealogy in cases. I asked Sheriff Gaylor if his detectives have considered going that route since the FBI does that work and is assisting with the investigation. Well, Maryland has a lot of restrictions and, and, and not the most uh, public safety, you know, police oriented pro uh, it's more pro criminal, the legislature here. That's a whole discussion for another day. Um, but I will say um, those avenues are available to us working with our partners. And I haven't gone into, we haven't released. Folks, can you imagine that? The, 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 he just is the chief of the Maryland police saying that the state legislature is more pro perp than they are law enforcement. That's, that's sort of disgraceful, isn't it? New York's the same way. It's, it's a disgrace. And when cases like this happen, you, you'd love to bring all the city council members up and shine a spotlight on their incompetence. Any of the investigative efforts <clears throat> that are moving forward other than to say we're following up. So I'm familiar with that. And every investigative effort that we possibly can do is being done. My beloved daughter and mother and friend. Rachel Morin's family and friends gathered for her funeral last weekend. Her mother, Patty, speaking of the pain of losing her daughter. I have been trying for weeks to um, think about memories of Rachel that I can share because I knew this time was coming. And I have to be honest, 
my heart and my mind won't let me go there because it's too painful. Patty Morin talked about the outpouring of support her family has received following Rachel's murder, including a walk where 2,000 people came out to remember her at the Ma and Pa Trail. We had hundreds of people come up to me and to the other family members and hug them and say, you know, I knew Rachel or my daughter knew Rachel or I didn't know Rachel, but I, but I knew who she was. And she always said hi, and she always smiled. And we think those are like little ordinary things, but they actually mean, th mean something to people. And to have 2,000 people come out because somehow Rachel in her ordinary life affected them. I think that's really amazing. Our, our victim, our investigators and our victim service advocates are in contact with the family. They had a memorial service uh, for Rachel over the weekend, um, you know, it, it, you, you, you want to say they're doing well. You can't put the, the word well with, you know, uh, having lost uh, this this young woman, um, you know, the, the mother of five, uh, da uh, the daughter to a mom and dad. She has a brother and a sister who, who lost a sibling. So there's, you know, I, I say well with the big, the big asterisk next to it that there is no doing well, and the only the only thing that we can offer uh, at this point in time is, is to find this guy and assure them that someone else isn't going to, you know, suffer the same fate that Rachel suffered, and, and and bring this guy to justice for them. Hartford County has set up a special email tip address. Anyone with information about Rachel Morin's murder or the man in the video can email rmtips at hartfordsheriff.org. You can also call 410-836-7788. For Law and Crime, I'm Anjanette Levy. There's nothing. So folks, where, where does that, uh, where does it leave the investigation? Obviously, this investigation is still on the front burner. No one is, uh, no one is relaxing. Uh, they're, they're entertaining leads. They got the FBI involved. You heard the chief talk about investigative genetic genealogy and i don't know if there's laws in maryland that uh restrict that or forbid that that's pretty damn disturbing in my mind you know that uh you're more concerned with the perp so we don't want to use genetic genealogy because you know we don't want to violate his right they don't even know who this guy is they don't even know if he's a citizen a non-citizen they don't have his name they have his dna which is which is brilliant, which is the science that's going to put these mutts away. And it's really, when I hear some of these jurisdictions that are pro-perp and, and uh, anti-civilians and anti-the rights of people that go and pay their taxes and vote these idiots in, I don't know how a lot of these politicians get voted in. It's unbelievable to me. And, you know, in cases like this, you know, I get, I get really annoyed because it's... Uh, I know the restrictions that are being on police and the police are the enemy in a lot of places. And it's pretty damn disturbing, you know, uh, disturbing to me. Anyway, folks, this is police off the cuff, real crime stories. You, you like real crime, true crime from a police perspective, then you're in the right place. And if you're not subscribed to us, shame on you. Go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up and ring that bell. This, this uh, channel police off the cuff. We have some of the most out amazing guests that you could possibly get.
We don't get them by accident. We get them because we have a good reputation. You know, this Tuesday, I have the Nassau County Police Commissioner coming on, Patrick Ryder, to, again, to talk about the Gilgo case, but from the point of view of the Nassau County Police, what was their role in this case? And I'm really looking forward to that. Patrick Ryder has been on this show before, and he's one hell of a police commissioner, former NYPD also. I needed to add that. Folks, if you want to contribute to us financially, we have a Patreon with three different levels, and we also have YouTube channel memberships. And you see the folks in the green font. They're part of our YouTube family, and we really appreciate all of our YouTube channel members, our family, our friends, our subscribers, police off the cuff, real crime stories. And we're doing our best to bring the best possible product we can. Now, a lot of people have been talking about, is this a potential serial killer? And again, I spoke about the definition of a serial killer as per the FBI, two or more murders with time in between, time between them. That's a serial killer. Could he have killed before? Well, absolutely. We know that he's committed other crimes before in regards to the home invasion in LA in March. This case becomes so interesting. And the fact also that the uh, investigative genetic genealogy is prohibited or restricted in Maryland, then guess what? Do it in LA unless they have the same restrictions. Do an investigative genetic genealogy out of the FBI's L.A. office in regards to that home invasion. You kill two birds with one stone, and then maybe they'll get rid of some of those Maryland politicians that restrict this kind of stuff. Really upsetting, really ridiculous. Um, the other thing is we spoke about um, social media. Could this attacker have found Rachel Marin on social media. Apparently, she was on several social media sites. The chief wasn't discounting that. Could he have found her and stalked her on a dating site? It could all happen, and the chief, again, was not discounting that. However, what the way they feel and their gut, their gut feeling is that this was a random attack, an attack uh, by a perpetrator who's a predator that was out there, you know, a crime of opportunity. We used to say that in anti-crime. We used to say that crimes of opportunities can be the scariest type of crimes. Uh, I'm going to play this profiler that was on News Nation. Uh, Let me play a little bit of this here. Joining me now is Candace DeLong. She's a former FBI criminal profiler who's been following the case closely. Candace, thanks so much for coming on. This is the part that I don't get. It seems like a big jump to go from he murdered this woman and he was involved in a crime in L.A. that we don't have the specifics of to now he might be a serial killer. How did they make that jump? Well, he's not a serial killer yet by FBI criteria. He um, would have to kill more. He may be doing that. But I think the FBI is not calling him that. The press is calling him that. No, the authorities said they, the the local authorities said they suspect he could be a serial killer. He might be a serial killer. That's a big statement to make. Do you think that they believe he might be involved in more crimes than the public knows about? Or is it something about that L.A. case, which we really don't know a lot of details about, and something about Rachel's killing that indicates that they want to give him that label? 
Right. Well, really, technically, for to be considered a serial killer, um, it would have to be three or four people. Uh, I think they're just saying that because they're worried. We know that. She's wrong about that. To be a serial killer, there has to be two incidences separate from each other. That's it. I don't know where she's getting three or four from. That he assaulted the young girl in Los Angeles, and we know that he uh, murdered the woman in Maryland. Same DNA. And there's every reason to believe he will do it again. The more violent the offense, the greater the likelihood it will be repeated because the the offender wants to do it. Do you, do you can you explain why we don't know who he is? We have this surveillance tape. There is one point of the video where you can almost see his face. Um, it's been out for weeks now. I'm not sure I understand it. Do you think it's a you know, folks? Obviously, look, we have we have a physical Question description. They they predicted probably by measuring actual sights on there, like the door, the height of the door where his head came up to. And they were saying initially he was 5'9", 160 to 170 pounds and approximately 25 to 30 years old. That's a pretty damn good description. And they said he was a male Hispanic. However, and, and look at his haircut. That's a sort of a unique haircut. Um but that people know this guy. And when you see a video, you see someone walking, it's not just their physical description, it's their gait, G-A-I-T, their gait, how they walk, how they move. No one can positively identify him. No one wants to come forward. And again, we don't know the circumstances of the LA case. It's very vague. Maybe whoever was involved, because that door closes by itself. Perhaps the victim there couldn't identify who this person was. You know, that door did not close by itself. In other video, you could see as he leaves the victim's arm closing the door. And she was probably terrified, but it's not apparent in this video. But I've seen other videos of this case, and the victim clearly shuts the door as he leaves. What 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 can you some I mean, I can only surmise Are that, you surprised uh, that that this is a, a sexual assault. Why is he leaving the house half dressed? No shirt on, he's got no shoes on. Uh, carrying the rest of his clothes in his left arm. To me, that screams of this was a sexual assault. However, the police in L.A. are not saying that because they don't want it out there. And I don't blame them. The victim is a 14-year-old girl in this. However, the DNA left on that scene is, is the DNA and the evidence that's going to solve this case. He hasn't been caught or identified? I'm not surprised he hasn't been caught. Um, but in terms of identification, it's not unusual for people to be fearful of coming forward. Look, um, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people now have seen this video. Someone might know, know him and be terrified. Yeah. And, and so that's why they're not coming forward. What about the fact that we don't know a lot of things about L.A.? Authorities haven't shed a lot of information out that they haven't even shed about what exactly the, the cause of death is of uh, Rachel Moore. And we don't know exactly how she died. Why do you think they're being tight lipped about it? Well, when they eventually develop a suspect, this guy that you have the video of, they are going to be able to verify whether or not he is the one based on 
descriptions that he has of what he did. So they're holding their cards close to their chest, and that's a good thing to do. And Look, folks, one of the reasons the police aren't putting everything out there is because when they capture this guy, and they will, this guy will get caught, all right, hopefully sooner than later, they want to interview him, interrogate him. They want to get a statement. They want him to confess to what he did. And he will know what he did, and they will have physical evidence that tells them what he did. So they want that confirmed through a confession. There's nothing like a confession in the in the interview and interrogation in the investigative world. And when someone confesses, it's it's such a it helps the case become super solid. And that's why that's why they're holding back information. They don't need the public doesn't need to know everything. However, I believe there was a witness that said Rachel Marin. Her head was bashed in with a rock based on the fact that it was left at the scene, a bloody rock, and the condition of her head. Now, do we absolutely do we even need to know that? No. But apparently a witness is who a witness that was canvassing the park in search for her found her. And and it, that's why we even know that bit of information. So the police didn't put that out there. So wouldn't it be good when they capture this savage that they can interview him and find out what instrument he used and see if it matches and of what they actually know? And he may, you know, he may get arrested and lawyer right up. That's a possibility too. And real quick, the dating apps. There's reporting that Rachel Moore might have been on dating apps before this. How do you think investigators are looking at that aspect of the case? Well, what they're doing now is called a victimology. They're learning everything they possibly can about Rachel's life. And that would include any and all social media um, contact, dating sites, that kind of thing. Uh, dating sites and social media provide a what I call happy hunting ground mm. for sex offenders and serial killers. They can go through them and see who they like, who appeals to them. And a lot of them are skilled enough to know um, they can look at the background. Let's say somebody has a picture with friends on a hiking trail. Yeah. They can look at the background and figure out where it is and therefore where the victim is. Have to be careful what you post on social media or online. I'll tell you one thing. It's a good thing we're keeping this in the news because hopefully someone will see this and be able to provide a little bit more information to law enforcement. Candace DeLong, thank you so much. Appreciate it. So folks, then, as as she said, as Candace DeLong said there, an FBI profiler, um, why haven't we caught this guy yet? You know, And I think that, uh, and I'll be so bold as to say this, that the public is spoiled with how good the police actually are, really. In most cases... The cases are solved rather quickly, you know, and but it's not always the case. And you might think with this case, wait a minute, we have DNA that connects to another crime scene. Why? How come they haven't caught him yet? In you know, my opinion, uh, and I'm absolutely no profiler, that LA may be his home city. And why or how he got to Maryland to commit this crime? I can't answer that. You know, you get certain serial killers like 
like Ted Bundy, for example, he traveled all over the country committing his crimes. Could that be the possibility with this? How How is this guy then, if he is traveling all over the country, how's he making money? Does he have a job? Is he maybe a laborer? Look, he was, he was uh, buff, right? He looks like he works out or maybe he just works labor that that makes him buff like that you know uh he, he has to support himself some way right um so all of those things are leads that we're going to look at um and and the as i said does he have a car does he have a car did he get to that location by car which then we should have some video of the car of him getting out of a car him pulling up uh, if this park in Maryland has as much video as most uh, parks across this country now have, every every place these days has video all over the place. Teresa is saying, could he be a truck driver? It could be anything. Absolutely, Teresa. Yeah, he could be a truck driver. However, truck driving can be a, a sort of a sedentary job. You're sitting on your butt for 10 or 12 hours, and a lot of truck drivers because of that, because of the nature of that work and the long hours they work, they don't get to work out, most of them, because they're exhausted from their job. So I would say he's probably not a truck driver. Uh, if he does work in something, it could be labor or you know construction, or maybe he's just committing crimes to get money or selling drugs, and uh, on the side, he's a sex offender, a serial killer. All those things are possibilities, and... Um, is it frustrating to law enforcement, to everyone involved here, that he hasn't been caught yet? Yeah, you bet. No one wants to capture this guy more than law enforcement. And um, again, they're pulling out all stops. They're trying to get this guy. As you saw earlier on in the broadcast, the detectives have been to L.A. And they've been to Chicago. L.A., of course, is obvious. They have the DNA. They have that other crime scene. If I were the detectives from Maryland, I would, of course, want to in-depth interview that 14-year-old girl, the victim. And I know it's traumatic and she's already been traumatized, but guess what? We have a potential serial killer out there. I would be all over interviewing that 14-year-old girl. I want to know everything about that case. Is there any pot potentiality that perhaps the L.A. police didn't do as much on this case because initially it was a burglary slash home invasion we don't know, potentially sexual assault. Could there be more now that they'll do now because they know that this perpetrator committed a murder? That's a distinct possibility. And I think that all, you have to relook at those cases. I, excuse me, relook at that case in LA. And as, as I said, re-interview the girl. Uh, look at, how about from that date, more video. Did that perp get into a car? Did that perp walk up the block? Where did he go after that? An extensive, extensive, and it may be too late to do that. The video, a lot of the video could be gone because this happened March 26th of 2023. But now that this case is so much more important because it's a homicide, well, it was important to begin with a 14-year-old girl, but now it takes greater, greater immediacy that... This guy is now committed a murder, and he could be, he could be as many people are saying, a potential uh, serial killer. We'll, we'll learn that soon. Sheriff Gaylor says, um, well, he will kill again.
He will kill again if we don't catch him, and he could end up becoming a serial killer. This is what Sheriff Gaylor added. I have no doubt in my mind if he's not apprehended, he will become a serial killer because he will do this again. This being the murder of Rachel Morin. You know, um, they released video on August 17th of the person they believe killed Rachel. And they know that because the DNA at Rachel's murder scene matches the DNA at a home invasion in Los Angeles. And this was the home invasion. This is him leaving. Take a good look. I can't show this enough. Take a good look at the way he walks, the gait, the shape. What, where was he walking to? Was he walking to his car? Or was he simply just walking away to an escape route? It would seem that he must have pulled up there in a car. He's taking his sweet time walking away from there. He's not in any hurry whatsoever. The shape of his jeans, the shape of his feet, the shape of his shoulders, the haircut that he had on August 17th. He also, if you notice, is wearing a chain around his neck. Uh, let me go back a little bit and you could see it. The shape of his shoulders, the haircut. There you go. You see, I don't know if you could see it now, but he's got a gold chain around his neck. So that's something could be uh, another identifier. That he had on August 17th. That's the guy. That's the killer right there. Still trying to find him though. We don't know who he is. Five, nine, two. This, this is the first I've ever seen. They said initially he was 5'9", 160. Now, this is the first I've ever seen. He's 230. All of a sudden, he gained 70 pounds from the 160. I don't see that guy as weighing 230. I don't know where the hell that came from. 230 pounds, 20 to 30 pounds, likely Hispanic. That is all we know so far. Could be local to California. Could be local to Maryland. May have committed crimes in other states. Investigators from Maryland have gone to California. And are sharing in you know if you're I'm just want to I don't want to belabor this, but if you're five nine and two thirty, you, you're fat unless you're a bodybuilder and you could see he's in shape. So there's no way on earth that guy weighs two thirties. I don't know where that came from. It's a little disturbing because you want it accurately out there the, the height and weight. Information between those jurisdictions. There's a ten thousand dollar reward now that they released. Um, in, on Thursday, last I believe that a, a reward now is up to $50,000. So uh, if potentially anyone knows this guy, uh, that should motivate someone that, that they could get $50,000 if they give the tip that leads to his arrest and conviction. Last week, Sheriff says we're one tip away from catching him. One tip away. Could be you. I'm joined now exclusively by Rachel Marin's sister, Rebecca Marin, and the family's attorney, Randolph Rice. Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us tonight. First and foremost, I am so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry for what you and your family have had to go through. Have the police shared? You know, folks, it's just like sometimes you get a little, um, when you watch TV and they, they, they talk about how sorry they are and everything, it's a good thing that the family is keeping this alive and keeping this information out there. And it gets a little macabre that the TV station is uh, sort of sometimes... And not just this station, but they sensationalize it. But this is an important case. And the only way to shine the light on it is to keep it out there. Keep it in the media. Keep the tips coming in. And that's, that's, uh, that's for sure. Anything with you? Have they told you anything that sounds promising? Uh, nothing more than what everybody else already knows. We're just waiting for that one person to come forward and say they recognize him. But... Um, 
so far, nobody has done that that I know of. And is this extraordinarily frustrating? Do you feel you're getting everything you need from the investigators? Uh, that you know, Lynn, uh, GMB, great point. Great, outstanding point. And I, I'll slap myself for not thinking that myself. Why is there no police sketch from L.A.? That's brilliant. You're right. Why is there not one? Because the victim, the female 14-year-old, saw his face. You're right. Get match a face to this um, this video. And then you got the front because we don't see his face. But match his face to this video. Brilliant idea. You're absolutely 100% right. Why is there no sketch? Beautiful. Thank you so much. I can't really answer. Um because, you know, like I said, I mean, there's only so much they can do. Somebody needs to come forward. Somebody has to say something. Um, sorry. Um, I understand. Well, we'll show the pictures again. Um, that's the man that they're looking for. If you're watching right now, take a very close look at everything about him, the way he walks. Sometimes it's the way a suspect walks that is the tip. That's called gate, folks. Your gate, we all have a gate, the way we walk, you know, a specific way we walk. People would always tell me that they could they could ID me from blocks away by the way I walk. And like my family sort of walks the same way. We sort of have, it's almost like a genetic thing. So uh, Ashley Banfield is 100% uh, correct. Watch the way the guy walks, his gait. Sometimes you can't identify someone from their face, but you see the way they walk and the way their body looks and you say, oh, boom, that's so-and-so. Yep, that comes in. Not necessarily the description of the person, but the way they walk. And hopefully, Rebecca, that will be something that someone recognizes. How are Rachel's kids doing? She's a mother of five. How are the kids? As can be expected. Um, sad angry, don't really understand. Um, they really love their mother. Uh, you know, they pray for her to come back. So it's been really hard on all of them. What have you been able to share with them? What have you told them? They know that she's gone. We haven't given them any details. Um, except for the older ones. Um, we plan on keeping like that for a little while till they're old enough to understand. And hopefully it won't be too much longer before they have the person that did this. That is our, that is what we want the most because you know, like, like the sheriff said, this guy is gonna do it again. It could be, you know, your sister, your mother, your daughter. And that's what people don't get. I don't understand why no one's come forward. To me, it's obvious that somebody recognizes this guy. They have to. It's like I could see him move and know, you know, if this was somebody I knew, I would know who it was. So I'm really hoping that somebody comes forward soon. Somebody is brave enough to do that, to do what's right. We'll continue to. You know, guys, uh, some, of the, some of you folks in the chat are actually coming up with uh, great, um, great questions. You know, did they, what about the video? Again, I mentioned it before. Once he walked off from the house into the street, wasn't there also video there? If there is, 
the police are keeping that close to the vest. And, and if there is, maybe they didn't think it was important enough in back in March to collect that because he he was a home invader. And I would think in March it was probably a sex crime was committed. But he was a home invader and not at that point a murderer. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that the Maryland police specifically went to L.A., perhaps on some tips, but also uh, to interview that 14-year-old girl. So many things about that are so important. You know, like some of the folks said in the chat, did he talk? What did he say? Did he have an accent? How did he speak? How did he look? What did he say? Um, all of those things are so, so important in creating a profile of this guy. I mean, they have everything almost now. They have his, his height, his weight, his description, that he's a male Hispanic, except they don't have his name. And they don't have him under arrest right now, which is what we all want. To show the pictures that the um, sheriffs released of him leaving the scene of that home invasion where a young girl was assaulted. And as we show the pictures, just remember, just look at every part of it, every detail, the, the small of his back, the curve of his shoulders, the, the slouch that he has, that haircut from August 17th. Again, that's, that's a haircut from a couple of weeks ago. That could have grown in by now. Um, the tightness of his jeans, that's a style that some people wear and a lot of other people don't wear. Uh, everything about that, holding the clothing that he's walking out of the house. Um, Rebecca, who's looking after Rachel's kids? Uh, they are with their fathers. So they're well looked after at this time and you're able to, to see them and they're able to get the counseling they need? Yes. Randolph, can I ask you about the evidence? As a lawyer, um, you understand how difficult it is for police, A, to process evidence, then B, to share it publicly before you have an actual trial in, trial in process, right? You don't want right. to jeopardize any kind of possible um, criminal procedure down the line if they can catch this person. But at, right. the same, but at the same time, I'm... Folks, if you watch this video as it's playing, as Ashley Banfield is talking, you could see the door is shut by someone. And it was a video I saw. You could actually see the arms closing, you know, pushing against the door. But you could see how quickly, the, once he walks away, this door closes. Curious about genealogy. If you have DNA, there is a remarkable way to trace people who aren't in CODIS, people who haven't maybe committed crimes that are on the record before. Maybe they've committed them. They just haven't been caught and processed before. Right. But there's genealogy. It's how we caught the Golden State Killer. It's how so many killers are caught these days. Do you know if that's the avenue that authorities are using? Well, first off, let me just thank you for having both of us on. Um, this is really important because the more that this story is out there, uh, the more people see that video that hopefully somebody sees uh, and recognizes this individual. And going to the evidence, yes, this is something that I'm sure the state police and the FBI, they're going to use that DNA evidence. They're going to check it with other databases. You know, we've had conversations about that 23andMe or maybe using an Ancestry.com type of thing where they go and try to find... Maybe Folks, don't forget that from DNA, they can determine the person's uh, ethnicity, their race, uh, where they're from. All of that they can determine from the DNA. So none of that's going to be a secret. The only thing that's a secret right now is knowing this mutt's name. Your relative uh, that has some sort of associated DNA, and hopefully that gives the investigators a link that will lead them to this individual.
Yeah, and even the companies uh, that don't um, subscribe to the police being able to access all their databases, they do give their customers the option to check a box to say, do you want to be part of a pool um, that can search, you know, for, uh, you know, search for potential criminality. And there are other bodies of information available as well. It's how they can do it. It's how they can do this regularly now using genealogy. Um, and Rebecca, I hope that that is something that they end up using because it's remarkable how extensive it, it can be all over the world. So it really can help catch people. I do. You know, folks, one of the things we heard though from the chief was that in Maryland, they're precluded from using a lot of the uh, investigative genetic genealogy because of politicians that are more for perps than uh, they are for police. So as I said, suggested before, perhaps they could do the investigative genealogy to get him identified from the case in LA, in South Central LA. And that would be the solution to that. Carson C., thank you so much uh, for the $20 super sticker. Great job. Well, thank you so much for your support. Uh, folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. Again, if you like real crime, true crime from a police perspective, you're in the right place. And this is uh, this is one of those horrific cases that we cover every year. And, you know, I always mention the case of Eliza Fletcher, a mom who was jogging at 4.30 in the morning in Memphis last year, and she was kidnapped off the street, attempted sex crime, and she fought so hard that the guy shot it and killed her. She fought for her life that hard. And these cases stay with you. I'm not a real, I'm not on the police department anymore. But these are the kind of cases that I remember, and I, when I think back on the year in review, they're horrific. And this surely is going to become one of them. Folks, if you're looking for a great attorney in the New York City metropolitan area, then Joe Murray is your man. Joe's a retired NYPD member of the service, and he's a fantastic defense attorney. You can reach Joe at 718-514-3855. Email him at joe at jmurray-law.com or go on his website, jmurray-law.com. And Joe Murray is a huge supporter of the Police Off the Cuff podcast. We get back to Ashley. I want to ask here. you about your GoFundMe, because I know that you've been raising money to help these five kids. I mean, five kids without a mom. Tell me about the GoFundMe. Um, well, unfortunately, I do have experience setting one up. <laughs> and I hadn't even thought of it the day I set it up. I had other family members come to me and suggest I get one going uh, before someone else took advantage of the situation and ripped people off. I was quite surprised by how many people donated. And, you know, it wasn't just that. There have been other donations to help with things along the way. So I can honestly say the majority of that money that was raised on the GoFundMe is going to the kids. Well, and we'll also um, just make mention, we, we just showed the picture right there. So if anybody's searching for the GoFundMe, this is the legitimate one. It's called the Rachel Morin Funeral and Memorial Fund. Um, I know what you're saying. There are some pretty bad actors out there who take advantage of situations like this, but that's the legitimate one that um, Rebecca's family has set up. And uh, to the both of you, I'm just going to put up on our screen, anybody who's watching right now, if you think you recognize that man, if you know anything, if you have any tip, and just like they say in the movies, no tip is too small, send your tips to the Harford County Sheriff's Office. Hey, thank you for So, folks, uh, that's, uh, you know, it's the old adage in New York, if you see something, say something. Because 
again, you're one tip away uh, from capturing this guy, just one tip away. And that that's all that's needed. And to think that, you know, this predator is out there uh, waiting to do his next one. I would imagine after this, he would have gotten out of the Maryland area as quickly as possible. Where he is right now, we don't know. Well, we do know that law enforcement took a little trip to um, California. They took a trip to Chicago. Was there information that they had that led them to those two uh, two communities? And that we don't know right now. The police know, but we don't know. But we we support our police, and we are hoping and praying that they come up with the identity so they can make an arrest on this mutt. The 37-year-old mother of five was found dead earlier this month along the popular Ma and Pa Trail in Bel Air, a day after she was reported missing. Police are still looking for this unidentified man whose DNA was found at the scene and a $10,000 reward has been offered for information leading to an arrest. The video comes from another case where his DNA was recovered in Southern California earlier this year. Jessica Albert joins us live outside Greater Grace Church in Northeast Baltimore City, the site of that service today. Jessica. Hey, Kelsey, we learned from the Morin family attorney that Rachel was very active at this church and that the church means a lot to the Morin family. The ceremony today lasted about an hour and uh, we heard from Rachel's pastor as well as her mother. Celebrating Rachel Morin's life. The hardest thing is for a mom to have to plan her child's funeral. Family and friends gathered at Greater Grace Church in Baltimore to remember the 37-year-old mother of five. Morin's mother gave an emotional speech about the loss of her daughter. But I know that the God that we believe in and the God that Rachel believed in was there holding her and comforting her. Warren was first reported missing after going for a walk on the Ma and Pa Trail in Bel Air on August 5th. Her body was discovered the next day. Despite her murder gaining international attention, it still remains unsolved. Her loved ones have been gathering to honor Rachel since her murder. They held a private funeral for her earlier this month and also held a walk along the trail last week. She was a devoted mother. She made sure she took care of her kids and she took care of herself. She was part of the church, that that was a big part of her life. Again, investigators are trying to identify the suspect that is wanted in connection with Rachel Morin's murder. There is a $10,000 reward for information leading to an arrest and a conviction for people who have tips on who that man might be. Well, folks, uh, I want to keep this case alive, as do, do, does everyone. I want to keep it in the public eye, and that's one of the reasons I, I covered it this morning. seems like we've been just covering Gilgo and, of course, Brian Koberger case, and this case is extremely important. Uh, it entails a lot of different things in law enforcement in regards to evidence and DNA and investigation and all those things that bring together the art and the science investigation. Guys, I want everyone to have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. And thank you for tuning in this morning. Uh, I'm Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. Have a great weekend. One episode, just ain't enough.